Good evening and welcome to a special edition of Transatlantic History Ramblings with Lauren and Brian. This is Brian in Buffalo, U.S. of A. And with me as always... Lauren from Swansea. How are you, Brian? I you am good. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, Lauren. I'm going to tell people why it's a special, uh, special episode. No ramblings. No days in history. None of Brian's charm and wit and charisma and what everybody... Okay, I know. The obnoxious Brian. Instead... Yeah. We found out that people love the paranormal stuff, so we had some ramblers send in their own personal paranormal stories, and we're going to read them and uh, with our guests and our expert panel. And as I've been saying all week on social media, as the show Skeptic, it's apparently this is going to be three against me. So... Uh, but we're going to be very serious. We're not doing this tongue-in-cheek or lightheartedly or goofy like we do a lot of things on the show. We're going to treat this with the utmost respect. So before I pass it over to Lauren, who's in charge of this whole thing, because she wouldn't let me see the emails ahead of time, <clears throat> I want to introduce... I'm going to introduce our panel of experts. And I'm going to start with the host of my favorite podcast in the world. And I'm not kidding, folks. Everybody out there who doesn't listen to The Strange Sessions, you really should, because it's the it's my favorite podcast on the planet. And uh, Spotify hasn't canceled him yet, which is amazing. <laughs> but, <coughs> and, Spotify hasn't canceled us, and I'm surprised at that. No, that's coming, but... Uh, this I'm waiting the, for that multi-million dollar contract that they like they offer Joe Rogan, but I don't think we're going to get that. I'll take like a tenth of it, you know, go ahead. But Kurt, who is not a member of the Philadelphia Flyers, and I have to say that because someone actually wrote in to me and said, dude, did you get one of the Philadelphia Flyers to come no. on for this episode? Would you explain that to the audience? He's named Kurt Konechny, just like I am, and... I didn't know about this until recently. I was, I don't remember what I was doing, but I did a Google search on myself and I was like, holy cow, there's a hockey player with my name. And I have his jersey here in the closet. My aunt bought it for me. So, yeah, same name, Pnechny. Yeah. But Kurt is um, a paranormal investigator who has done ghost hunting and hosts the amazing strange sessions. Thank you. And with us, the man, the myth, the mustache, one of the UK's leading paranormal researchers, a man who's been on just about every UK ghost show you can imagine, and my mother's personal favorite, the Aww. great Neil Story. Neil, welcome. Hey, I, I'm humbled. Thank you for those kind words, and it, it's lovely to see you all and hear you all. Again, always a pleasure I, to be on the show. Thank I you. I love this little quartet. I look forward to this all day. <laughs> I have to admit, I, I do enjoy our synergy. And it's great to share it because I know that people are listening. They enjoy that kind of magic between the four of us. Well, there's three of you that are magic. I, I guess I'm kind of all right. <laughs> no, not according You're more to than my all mother. Right. You are more than all right. You know, my mother tunes um, the rest of us out. She's just like, it's all Neil all day. Where's Neil? Where's <laughs> Neil? Oh. I'll send her my very best love from, from all, across the the little old pond between us, and I, I I I really I really do appreciate that. That's very very kind. 
So now Lauren is mm-hmm. going to explain what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be breaking this down. And I'm going to pass the reins over to you, Lauren. Now, Lauren, you're in control of everything now, which means you get to silence people. The hockey player is actually Travis Konechny, not Kurt. But I did a search, and Konechny is not a, a common last name. So it was just amazing to me that there was another Konechny out there that that I found. you got to reach out to him. I, I must be related to him somehow. I've never played hockey, so maybe I'm a natural. I don't know. Nah, no. I played no. hockey a lot of years. There's no such thing as a natural. <laughs> All right, Lauren, so come on, give us the dirt. Hello. What's the show about? Um, wow, well, it's about a listener's ghost stories. So we've had four ghost stories. Two are quite long, and there is a medium-sized one, and then there is a tiny little one as well. So four. Um, some people have asked us to change their names, so those that have asked to have their names changed, they are being read out with everything is sorted out in that respect there. So um, um, we'll discuss it, and we'll tell Brian that he's absolutely incorrect. Um, <laughs> he's obnoxious, as always. <laughs> and then we'll go on to the next story. So um, would you like me to start? Yeah, let's begin. Read the first okay. listener's letter. Right. <laughs> so the first one is from Nigel, um, who is a who was a cop uh, in Tampa, Florida, I I think it's Tampa, Florida. I'm not too sure. Um, so um, his story starts with, I patrolled east side of the city, but on the night in question, I was on the west side because of short staffing one night. I got a call from service one night from Wilson Middle School burglary. In progress, Mike and Dan responded also as backup. The area where the alarm came from was the second floor of the main building. Wilson is an older school built in the early 20th century. Long history. We went to the main office office, and upon arrival, checked the alarm panel to verify the area affected. Checked with the dispatch, then we headed upstairs. We checked several classrooms, all checked out as empty and no apparent disturbance. We turned on the second floor lights when we got, we turned on the second floor lights as we got upstairs. The older schools sometimes had rats that ran around activating the motion sensors that set off the silent alarms. That sounds horrific. Why do you have rats in your school? We turned on the lights to see if any would be caught running. We searched the second floor, no problems. We headed to the stairwell to go back downstairs to the main office alarm panel and we set it and notified dispatch that the call was unfounded. So we go 10-8 back in service and back to patrol. As we reached the stairwell, we heard very loud banging to our rear. Slam, slam, slam. Restrooms were just behind us. The sound originated from there. We looked at each other, drew our service weapons, and burst into the closet restroom. Closest restroom, the boys. Dan stood at the door in case someone came out to the girls' restroom, but the banging came from the boys' restroom. Mike and I rushed in screaming, Police! Expecting to see inside, nothing. Stalls were clear, no one else. I was like, okay, whatever. And Mike and I shrugged and went outside the boys' restroom. Told Dan, let's go. Probably something else. Let's go. Just then, we clearly heard right inside the boys' restroom, slam, 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 slam. Sounded like somebody was banging or stall doors. We were hyped. We all drew our guns, ran inside, screaming, police, police, policia, in case the subjects was Hispanic. Nothing. 
search tools, stools everywhere. Now we are scratching our heads. I look up, my eyes get wide. I look at Mike and Dan, wiggled my brows, then looked up. Fuckers are in the ceiling, I'm thinking. We nod at each other, I say out, lo- I say out loud. Well, no one is here, let's go. We head out of the restroom. The minute the door closed behind us, there it was again. Slam, 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 slam. We ran back in. Nothing. I guess I got up on one of the toilets, used my baton to look into the ceiling tiles, and then realised the tiles couldn't hold a person, even a kid, without breaking. Okay, now, we were, what, what the fuck? And that's when... And that's when all the way in the back of my mind, a little voice was like, oh, shit, I didn't think I didn't want to think it. Didn't say anything to the guys. Mike had puzzled look on their face. Dan looked at me all nervous. We walked back out of the restroom. We didn't say anything. Got to the door and there it happened again. Slam, 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 slam. This time we just walked back in, looked around, looked at each other. I said, let's the fuck out of here. We looked out and went to the stairwell behind behind us. Slam, 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 slam as we walked downstairs. I wanted to fucking run. I know they did also, but we walked down to the main office, reset the alarm, called dispatch and told them unfounded and left the building. We went out of our patrol cars, but didn't look back at the building and didn't talk amongst ourselves. There was a second floor window back at the stairwell we used that. To be honest, I was too scared seeing what we might be, lo- seeing what we might, might be looking at us. Later that morning, after the shift, we were in the parking lot at the police station. Another officer named Lynn pulled me aside and asked me what happened at Wilson Middle School. I said, something happened. She looked at me, and so I told her. Then she told me a story. Apparently, several years prior, maybe a girl who was a student was attacked in the boys' restroom at Wilson, beaten and raped by two to three older boys after school. She died later at the hospital. Shortly thereafter, things started happening in the restroom. But only at night, she why the fuck didn't she tell me? <laughs> Some people know, but don't, don't talk about it. And I don't know patrol, and I don't patrol that part of town anyway. She later shrugged, and I was totally freaked out. Mike and Dan never said anything later, especially Dan. I could see it in his face that shit affected him. A couple of months later, I had to work that area again. Um, shit, I said. I hope I don't get a burglary call for the second floor at Wilson. And of course, that's exactly what happened. Call for service from dispatch, fire alarm, and second floor burglary. Bro. Probably alarm at Wilson. I responded by myself this time. No one offered to back me up. They would have if I requested, but I just didn't. I just didn't call. Went to the main office alarm panel, looked for the area of the fire alarm, first floor. I checked and cleared it. No fire. Sometimes the train goes got hot and set off alarms. Went back to the main office, reset the alarm panel. There was no fucking way I was going up to the second floor. There's actual burglars up there. They could steal whatever I wasn't going up there. I called dispatch and cleared the call and found it. Went ten eight and left. Didn't look back. So that is Nigel's story. What do you think about that? Wow. That's um yeah, that's that's a hell of a story. And that comes from a police officer, so yeah. that does. Yeah, that's you know yeah. someone who's that, that's, got some yes, credibility. That's one thing that yeah. Chris and I talk about on the podcast, and we say that we feel, and maybe it's just us, but that when it's a, a police officer experiencing stuff, that holds more weight with us because they're trained to to not think automatically this is a ghost or this is paranormal. Like I feel like they have better training, and when something freaks out a police officer like that, it just seems to hold more weight with us. And yes, he was talking about all the logical stuff that it could be. He was thinking yeah. it could rats. But why do you have rats in your school? Why hey, rat, rats got to live somewhere, too. 
Rats got to learn, too. Why would you, rats got to learn. Okay, why would you? Nah. There's a reason we call them Hlagodfartenag in Welsh. That means, that literally translates it as aggressive, aggressive mice. Rats are evil. All right, now, I'll, I'll go first with this because, as we know, I'm the bad guy. I'm the skeptic. Yeah, you are. But what I'm going to say is there's there's no way I could debunk something like this. A, I wasn't there. I didn't witness it. There are things I would question, for instance, which he did. You know, the sounds, could it have been rats? Could it have been something that set off the alarms? It's an old building. Old buildings do make weird noises. But this seems like it was a specific noise again and again. The same repeated slam, slam, bang. Not like... Uh, a loose window rattling that could, you know, a wind doing that. It's going to sound different each time. Um, what I would, my mind, my skeptical mind instantly goes to uh, where were the uh, the air vents? Are we picking up sounds of doors slamming from a different restroom and they're just coming through the air vents and we're happening to hear it here? Maybe this is where, you know, the air vents meet. I find it weird that it was the same sound repeatedly every time, and it only happened when they left. So that, you know, that makes me, I would want to dig much deeper into that before I would ever try to put a stamp of, I don't buy it on there. So that's the kind of skeptic I am. I I gotta be convinced to believe it, but I'm not going to stamp that as a no-go without doing a lot more investigation. Now, I want Kurt to go first, because this reminds me a little bit of what you saw at the prison. Yeah, it does. And I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of people that say these spirits or whatever are energy. And I feel like a middle school like that would have a ton of energy in it because of the students. And you're going through changes in your life. You know, you're going through puberty. You're growing up. And uh, I feel like that releases a lot of potential energy. That being said, like our, uh, I don't want to get off too much on a tangent here, but I work at a middle school. You know, I'm a reading aide at a middle school. And um, the the heater, the heating vent in the auditorium constantly makes random banging noises. So students are convinced that the auditorium is haunted when I think it's just that, just the, just the heater making those noises. But I legitimately had something freaky happen there today that scared me a little bit. And it takes a lot to scare me, you know, being a ghost hunter and all that stuff. But something there kind of freaked me out that happened today. So I do think that that middle schools, you know, high schools, uh, elementary school, I feel like there's so much energy. And it's a constant changing of energy as new students come in and new students go you know every student in my class is dating another student they have these horrible breaks up breakups there's crying there's students wanting to kill themselves it's just bad and i feel like a place like that is like you know almost like a mental hospital where it's just rife for some kind of energy to remain especially with the story about didn't didn't you say like a girl was raped there or something raped and then she died from it yeah yeah yeah. yeah, and and um, as far as what you said, I could see it being some sort of duct noises, just random building noises, but the fact that they were the same noises and the fact that it's a middle school, I tend to think there is some kind of energy there. I really do. And the fact that it was a police officer, uh, that just all lends credibility to me that something is there. 
Yeah, and Neil, um, I know you're a big believer in residual energy from traumatic events and, and, and negative events. Does this, to you, with your experience and in investigation, seem like this is the residual energy or effect from that horrific incident in that bathroom? Or, I don't know, what, what's your take on it? Because your face during that story was, um, it said a lot. I wish people could have seen it. Well, when, and first of all, thank you to the law enforcement officer for sharing that story with us. To take the time to write that down and share that, I think that's, that's a very generous and open thing to do. As a phenomenon... I recognize it and I, I think a lot of people listening to this program if, if you like the, if you've got an interest in the paranormal when you watch various programs the, the paranormal caught on camera shows you surf the net the phenomena of doors repeatedly slamming seems to be very much connected with schools Whenever you look at it, it's, you know, it's security guards going around after dark, um, even a head teacher in empty schools. There's a particularly famous <clears throat> banging of cupboards and a, a sign flying across the floor. I think it might even be... It, 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 I, I've seen that footage. might even be Wales, where that one came from. And in America, I've seen these sort of sports rooms where the, the door slams. That, so it's a, a repetitive banging of doors if you think how kids can be about slamming a door and it, the point that Kurt made it's absolutely right that it, this could be a manifestation of frustration it, it could be a residual power and long before we've had instances of CCTV written accounts going back well decades that I know of of, of young people being involved at school with a manifestation that people used to say, well, it's poltergeist activity. But as Kurt points out, it could also be a power we don't understand, whereby people can move things without touching them. And when you are going through teenage years, going through puberty, it's a huge change, particularly in a, in a young girl's life. And there could be that that residual energy manifesting i i i have i know people who have seen this mm -hmm. it has credibility my my only uh, and I, I like I, I i like the sound of the ghost it's a familiar ghost it has a lot of resonance for me but to bring in the story of a rape that does concern me a bit i would want to if i was going to say investigate this I'd want to look back in the local press to see if there was some account of this incident mm -hmm. before taking that on board as part of the story. I think by the sound of it, it's, you know, sometimes stories, and some of them quite horrible stories, uh, as this one is, uh, get attached to unexplained phenomena. Mm. And that might be, it, it might be a true story in which case we embrace that as part of this story, but I'd want to investigate it because equally, and I mean it with respect, equally, 
I have heard similar stories attached to things and they do turn out to be apocryphal, but it is a reflection on the uh, phenomena being known to a number of people and people seeking to attach some sort of um, explanation to it. What do you think about it apparently setting off the silent alarms? And apparently frequently... Um, and you'd think, again, old building, old wiring, whatever, you'd think someone would have looked into, hey, why does our alarm keep getting tripped at some point? Yeah. And it still keeps happening. So that's that's another thing. That's Wow, that's a um, great story. That, that would depend who's responding to the alarm because um, if, it's, um, if it's a caretaker or a custodian that's associated with a school, then they would they would report it back to the headmaster. But if it's the police then they might not necessarily report it back to the school that it's happening. True, yeah. Because sometimes that happens. But, but the fact that this is setting off an alarm... Me... <clears throat> the, you know, it's setting well, off an well, alarm. It sounds, like, it sounds like not just a regular building noise if it's actually setting off an alarm. Yeah, it's, it's tripping It's another alarm. known phenomenon associated with the paranormal. I... All of these are triggers... Uh, it's interesting that they do seem particularly repetitive setting off of silent alarms, repetitive slam, slam, slam of the door, uh, repetitive things, maybe a, uh, damage being caused or things being moved is it all combines to very much a, a phenomena you see in schools. It's quite distinct. It's good, and it's even different to religious buildings as well, where, where there are different phenomena movements familiar to them. For me, it reminds me very much of two cases that happened in the UK, the Battersea Poltergeist and the Enfield Poltergeist, which were both happening to young teenage girls. Mm -hmm. So I would say that it's not necessarily a poltergeist, but there is this phenomenon known as PK manifestation, which is psychic kinetic manifestation where the combined energy of um teenagers going through a, a massive change and the frustration that brings us as we've all said creates an energy and creates an entity of its own thing because i don't know if any and that is something that is started to be experimented with because i don't know if anybody watched the last series of kindred spirits where they went to this place and they had this spirit where they were referred to as zombie boy and when they looked into it they they would they made up a backstory for this boy and this boy started answering to this backstory and what it was is that people had made up so much and had left their own expectations there that 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 in itself had created something there that was answering yes. back and, and, pro and providing them Providing them with what they wanted to hear. That's very much wasn't... like the the Philip experiment, I believe yeah. they yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's ba it's basically our minds manifesting this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, the the three possible outcomes of this. Or, or even yeah. like the Slender Man case. Yeah. Or, or you know, you say a particular name or phrase three times, and some entity stroke demon stroke fateful act will befall you know it, it, mm -hmm. it's a very ancient 
Yeah, sure. every time I look in the mirror and turn the lights out and say, Neil Story, Neil Story, Neil Story, <laughs> I grow facial hair. Wow. Well, that, that certainly worked for you, Brian. It has. I, <laughs> I like that. That but, was just a fascinating story. I feel like yeah. I think something is going on there. I really do. Yeah, now, that, yeah. before we go on to the just, next story, I want to ask everybody here, if given the chance, would you go there overnight to investigate it? 100% yeah. yes. yes. Neil? No doubt. Yep, no Lauren? problem. Yes. I'm saying no because there's rats. All right. <laughs> Next story. Do you remember you've had we'll zombie just... boy? Well, there's chicken boy. You know, now, now, don't get me don't get me wrong. You know, I, I can be frightened. I'm, I'm like a lot of ghost hunters, but, but I don't scream like a girl. You know what I mean? Except you once. Know, Okay, maybe I can scream like that. I mean, I can only aspire to 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 scream and be freaked out. I mean, some of these ghost hunters you see on TV, no names. I mean, they're, they're meant to be serious ghost hunters. The minute anything's going on, woo! It's it's like a bunch of kids. Yep. Uh, but it's and, expectation and, and it's like, versus reality, isn't it? It's like fact, you don't really know how you're going to react until you're in that situation. In fact, I I've hunted ghosts with my son and and friends of the family with their kids and and in fact they've got more guts than some of those i see on bloom and telly <laughs> I, I have to say yes lauren what you got for us next so the next one is from tara so i bought a house uh, I bought my last house in 2014. West Side double built in 1897. Didn't know anything about it except it had been a rental for many years and the previous tenants were immigrants upstairs and heroin dealers downstairs. Sounds lovely. Great after moving, after moving in, I started cleaning up the house as it had been neglected. In the attic under the floorboards, I found a handful of old yellow, of old yellow business cards that said lodging and breakfast in private family. Yeah, in private family, dollar uh, twenty-five. Bath and modern conveniences during Pan American. Mrs. W. J. Candy, four hundred and thirty Herk Street, from from de- depots and boats take West Avenue and Grand Niagara Street cars to Potomac to, to Potomac Avenue, within walking distance of Pan American Grounds, Buffalo, New York. Though this was really, though this was a really cool find. This is your. Is this your friend? This is my hometown. Yes. This is your friend. Is this the, is this the friend that lives in the house where John Wilkes Booth stayed? No, no, it's not. No. <laughs> I'll tell that story later. This is um. This is Tara. I know Tara, and um. Tara is 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 wonderful. And before we even finish with the story, even though I'm the skeptic, I know Tara. Tara is not a bullshitter. So I am gonna you know take her word for everything she's saying. To, and to let you all know, because I know her, I will vouch for her honesty and being an upright person. Okay, continue. thought this was a really cool find. With this, I decided to look up who had lived in the house in 1901. There had been a chauffeur by the name of Albert Epson that lived there around that time, so I figured he must have had cards of his of his place, his fair, of places his fairs could stay during the Pan Americans, as so many people were coming into Buffalo from all over the country. That was the end of my sleuthing. I figured, cool, mystery solved. Early on, after moving, I started to see some things. While sitting in the living room, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a figure about my height, five foot eight. Is that 
Yeah, that would be right. Walked from the pantry into the bathroom. I immediately thought one of my drug dealers... One of the drug... One of my... Sorry, one of the... <laughs> well, she's got more than one drug dealer. That's impressive. Well, they were downstairs, the heroin dealers, yeah. 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 I thought one of the drug dealers had broken in. I went to look, and there was nothing. I thought, okay, maybe just seeing things. Then it happened again and again and again. See? Repetition again. I would see the same shadowy figure walk from the pantry into the bathroom at night once a week or so. I chalked it up to maybe a ghost, but at least not a drug dealer. And the ghost only seemed to do that one thing, so okay. It was like this for a few few years, and then we, then we had a severe increase in activity in one month. After a few years in the house, my boyfriend had moved out, and it was just the kids and I. We had a back room on the second floor that we had not been using, aside from storage and a makeshift office. My son, who was 12 or 13 at the time, wanted to use it as a room for his computer games and also set up a bed in there that he would sometimes sleep in. One night, he came running down into my bedroom, all upset and said that the computer mouse was working all by itself. He had been playing games and decided to stop and go and sleep in the room. While he was laying in the bed, the mouse started to click all on its own. He decided to spend the night in my room that night and did not sleep in the room again. After that incident, I decided to to then use that room as my bedroom while renovating the downstairs bedroom. While laying on the bed looking at my phone, something started tugging on my pyjama pants leg. Once it stopped, I got up and left and decided not to sleep in that room anymore. It was just around this time that my daughter and I had a current... and I had an occurrence happen to us in the downstairs dining room. We were getting ready to eat and she put her bowl down on the table at the place at the place sitting at the place setting next to mine where I was sitting. She went into the kitchen to get her glass and as she approached the table to sit down sit again, her bowl moved several inches across the table. We had never had anything move before. She says to this day that the table or bowl must have been wet, but I checked the table and the bottom of the bowl and both were bone were bone dry. She was a bit scared, so we sort of sort of go with the story to calm her nerves about it, and I and I needed her to be able to sit and eat dinner again. So after all this activity increasing in that one month, I mentioned it to my father in passing how all of this was going on. He loves history and went online to look up the history of the house. He sent me a bunch of newspaper articles, and it turns out that he had a couple of funerals in the house. One was a young boy of nine years, Joseph Candy, relation to the business call, question mark. Joseph had drowned in the Niagara River on June 20th, 1904, while swimming with his friends down at Squaw Island, Unity Island now. The other was the chauffeur's son, Albert Epson Jr., who, who at the age of 30 had died from a scratched, fractured skull from a car accident down the road on Niagara Street. Apparently, he and his friend had stolen a car and trying to drive off in the snow conditions had crashed. He died at the scene. So my assumption is that it's Albert that I saw downstairs in the pantry over and over again, maybe with mo- and maybe with moving the ball too. The mouse clicking and the pants leg getting pulled on, I think, was Joseph. I like to believe he didn't want my son to stop, to stop playing the video games and was trying to continue the fun on his own. And what child doesn't tug on his mother's or the mother that is available to them leg or arm to get their attention? I decided it is a big house and we can all live together without any issue as long as the rules are no touching and no breaking things. I said that to them, or maybe to the MTR. We had no issues afterwards except for the except for of 
of course, the shadow that continuously walks from the pantry to the bathroom. I've since sold the house and hope that the new owner takes care of the boys and doesn't freak out too much when they show up now and then. That's my story. My new house has nothing going on it, on in it, quite as a church mouse, which is also nice. All right. Well, again, I know Tara. Um, Tara's not prone to bullshit. And I also want to give uh, you the three of you a little background she was talking a lot about the pan am exhibit and the house being related to that in the time frame now that is a very very famous moment in american history that has had a lot of paranormal things attached to it over the years because some huge events happened there first off that's where Nikolai tesla lighted the streets uh becoming the first electric city it was also where President McKinley was assassinated. Um, you know, all these things happened at that area where she's talking about, Pan Am exhibit, that time frame. That being said, um, again, I'll go first being the skeptic. The shadowy figures, uh, they're, they're tough for me. Um, first off, Anything in a room can cast a weird shadow if the light from the television hits it wrong. And if you happen to see the same frame moving past you at different times, it could be because the same, you know, plant in the corner is casting off the same shadow. Not saying that's what it is, Tara. Don't beat me up next time I see you. Beat him up, Tara. Beat him up. Yeah. Um, As far as the poltergeist-type activity, uh, you know, I tend to agree maybe... The bowl or the table don't necessarily even have to be wet. As long as there's a couple drops, it will send things across the table. I've had glasses move like that that I thought were dry, and it was just a couple drops of water. But some of that other shit's pretty pretty bizarre, and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd want to look into that more. Tugging on the leg, eh, it's a little creepy. Um, but again... The, I, I can see logical explanations for everything I've heard, like I said. Doesn't mean they're the right ones. Again, I'm not writing it off as, ah, here's what it is, simple explanations. But uh, very interesting because of, I don't know, all the other stuff associated with the house, the uh, the time period, the Pan Am exhibit, all the crazy things surrounding that. I know with you people being ghost hunters and paranormal fans, you love the fact, not love the fact, but the fact that there were funerals in the home and, and deaths really play into that for you. But um, it's also weird to me because poltergeist activity tends to be, correct me if I'm wrong or maybe I'm just believing too much Hollywood bullshit, nastier and more frightening none of these things seem to be mean and, and, and like she said when she told them hey knock this shit off let's be nice they stopped i don't know what what do you think i don't know tugging of of the I, I agree tugging of clothing can be just trying to get your attention and she gave them that attention by acknowledging that they existed there and by saying if you didn't if you behave then you know you can stay so she set boundaries for them and and i mean if if she's correct and one of them is a child i mean that's how you would deal with a child uh, a living child as you set, set boundaries and also i like the fact is is you know the mouse clicking 
was the little boy trying to carry on with the computer game and if it was the little boy you know he would never have seen a computer game so he would probably try and copy what the little boy did so i mean it's all very i don't i think the man walking back and forward would just be residual but then again i think she says the age of her of her son was like 12 to 13 again which is like this onset of puberty again so you've got these children that are preteen. so you know are they attracting the paranormal activity or is it you know is it the changes something you know that happens in puberty that is setting off these events also you got to take into account like she said it's kind of a weird neighborhood they're the drug dealers downstairs what did she say they were immigrants upstairs which means you know she's probably hearing weird sounds which could be a foreign language she doesn't recognize um you know and i'd be pretty freaked out with drug dealers in my my residence too to the point where i might imagine seeing things that i'm not necessarily seeing again not saying that's what it is but kurt what do you think I, I agree with what Lauren said, that the figure sounds residual, like it's on a tape loop and just keeps playing and playing and playing. And the stuff with the computer and the tugging on the, 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 the leg sounds totally like a child, like something a child would do. And I think it's a misperception that poltergeists are violent all the time or do horribly scary things all the time and i think that a lot of times you know there's a lot of reports that when you tell a poltergeist to stop doing something they stop doing it you know they might not realize they're dead or that they're doing it and you tell them to stop doing it and they do are you telling I mean, me tobe hooper lied to me he maybe lied to you a little bit oh bastards <laughs> but yeah the originally I, I thought that she was going to say the mouse started to move a little bit on its own but it was the clicking on it that's harder to rationalize away i feel like the, the mouse clicking so that sounds like you said like a boy wanting to be like oh what is this what is this what does this do if i push this button um i don't brush off shadowy figures as easily as brian does <laughs> because i've seen some in my you know my old apartment was crazy haunted and uh what, what was kind of common about that was that a lot of stuff happened in that apartment but almost all of it was centered around the month of february that's when everything seemed to happen it was quiet the rest of the year and in february it would act up and it would be the whole month of february and then it would die down again so i do feel like this is like a classic haunting that's a combination of a residual and an active one um yeah i mean the shadow thing could be a trick of the eye but i just don't write that off as easily but it sounds it sounds like they're respectful and that, you know, that she could be hitting the nail on the head with that they had lived there because they seem to be respecting the house. Yeah. And yeah. that they seem to want to continue to live there alongside them and they have no issue with that. So. Yes, and I've, I've heard that story from people that I personally know that they had activity and one day they went in and said, look, th this is our house now. Could you just please stop that? And it stops. Look, and, and I know that area. Those houses even though most of them have been converted into duplexes or three apartments or sometimes even four apartments, these were beautiful Victorian homes. Yeah. Very large. Um, they were very prominent neighborhoods a hundred years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I could picture if, if ghosts are real and they lived in that house, they're like, yo, this was my pad. This was the shit. And I like it and I'm staying. The fact that there were funerals there, to me... 
the only thing that would come out of that is energy from the people that were there crying because they missed the person that died. I don't feel like it's the same reason I don't feel like cemeteries are scary because generally uh, if ghosts do exist, they haunt either where they died or in a place where something happened to them. And not many people actually die in a cemetery. The bodies are there, but I feel like there's just not a lot of spirits in a cemetery. And I feel like the same thing with that being a few having funerals there, that if there is anything from that, it's the energy from, from the, the people that are still alive mourning the person that passed away. Neil. I think you're right, Kurt. Thank you. I think you're right, Kurt. I, I really do. Uh, Residual energy, as we've seen with the slamming of doors, it can manifest in that way. In a domestic setting, the repeats are all there. But I think if you have a child who is going through their teenage years, they can sometimes be that catalyst. So in the same way that it seems that some youngsters going through the, the, the change of their teenage years can affect objects around them others particularly in a, in a domestic setting might just be the the catalyst that will enable the, the residual energy or, or spirit or, or whatever may be there to activate so it could be two different uh, elements with the shadow figure and and the the spirits this residual energy of the children that that that, that are being activated by the the energy in the children within the house the young people in the house that's that that would be a scenario that you know it's 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 known it, it's it, it it fits a profile there's nothing there that makes me think uh there's anything odd about that other than it being paranormal activity it certainly fits a a, a profile i i by the sounds of it I, it doesn't sound anything that i would find terrifying there uh it's just a, it's replays and but maybe the the tugs maybe that's a little bit different but i don't think there's anything too dark there by the sound of that now you know it's funny uh, that obviously it's not something that followed her or the kids because like she said the new house nothing everything's quiet but be interesting to hear what people who live there now say happens that's what i feel about my apartment like i really badly want to go there and knock on the door to the people that live there and be like does anything weird happen to you guys in there because since i came to this apartment it's been absolutely nothing and happy february anything fucked up going on <laughs> not here maybe at that old apartment but i should pop in there and just ask them but that would probably creep you, them out if i did but don't you hear that when people have left a property sometimes selling it more cheaply because it's terribly haunted yeah the next people that come along there's nothing there they, they sense nothing ghostly or paranormal about the place at all and it could well be that you know the person is the transistor mm -hmm. and that's why i think some i i i'm torn between whether ghosts latch onto you or whether wherever you go sometimes in, in your life you you might just be that conduit, that, that transistor that's that's kind of uh, stimulating the ghosts around you. Or, or, the, or the residual energy, the paranormal that is in the buildings where you are. I, I, every case is different. And it's, I always say, 
I think it is such a shame that more serious uh, efforts are not being made to analyse the paranormal mm-hmm. on a, on a, on a on a more academic scale on a on a wider scale. It just seems to be shunned, and I think it's very foolish to shun any of this because I I think there's got to be something somewhere in it. Because it happens to so many people. Well, that's, you know, and, and that, that raises a point that I'd like to bring up. Neil and Kurt, you've both taken part in ghost huntings and investigations. Uh, obviously, these first two cases, you couldn't investigate the same way. I, I mean, do you think, like... You know, the first case in the school would be much easier to investigate from a paranormal standpoint as the second one because, you know, who knows if you would even notice anything on the second one. Maybe it's only them who see it. I mean, would you take a different approach to investigating these two cases? Personally, I don't think I would. I, I, I see there's resonance in both of them. I tend to be quite a natural ghost hunter. In, in that I use my natural senses and uh, as little electronics as possible. Uh, I do like digital photography. I like the combination cameras we can get now. I think they're, they're rather useful. Or, or multiple cam- uh, digital cameras, you can just lock those off. I think they're very good. Those sort of controls and, and an EVP. Uh, I think uh, it, it's it's a great it's a great thing. Anything other than that, I, I'm still a little bit a little bit skeptical about things like the the, the talking spirit box. So, some of it is very compelling, I have to admit, but uh, I, I'm still a little bit out on that. So the, my approach would be the same. Uh, the analysis, the backstories, I always think is important. Once you see what's what's out there, listen to what's being reported. Because let's face it, uh, we might not be the people who have experienced it. So we need to research what's happened there as well. So I think a lot of the principles, for me at least, would, would be the same. They always have been the same in the way I approach ghost hunting. Kurt? Yeah, but like you said, Brian, the thing is that it could be the most actively haunted place in the world, and the three nights maybe you investigate and nothing happens. I mean, it doesn't so always well. go on a specific timetable that you'd almost have to move in there and have your stuff going 24-7 to catch it. And that's what makes it so frustrating is that it doesn't happen on, on cue. You know, it it happens when it happens, and... And that's it. You might not necessarily be there. I know what you mean, because when I was you know, younger, years ago, there was this girl that I took out that apparently was one of the most active people in the world. And the three times I took her out, nothing happened. <laughs> bad luck, Brian. Just bad luck. Yeah. But, uh, you should have worn that odorono de- de- deodorant, my friend. <laughs> that, that's, that's the, that's the, uh, that makes the magic happen. Like, like, like. Yeah, like blue stratos. Going back with what Neil was saying, like I dislike, you know, I understand the desire to have all this flashy technology for ghost hunting, but I just think trying to keep attention and all that, you're you're missing out on what is happening around you because you're so focused on all this other stuff. You know, like I I prefer to go in with just a digital camera and a digital audio recorder, and that's it. 
spot on, Kurt. It keeps it simple. Uh, it allows you to use m as many sensors as you've got. Uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're not producing things necessarily for television, but it, it, it needs to have... You need to record what you're experiencing. Yeah. But I think but it's, that's a, it's a great way to, to ghost hunt. It's, I it's feel simple. the desire to be on television and to produce this these amazing technological things like Frank's Box, Spiritcom, all this stuff is is for television to be more flashy yeah. with it. The four and of the, us have to go on a ghost hunt sometime. The four of us just have to do it's that. It's also that's the kind oh, of woo woo stuff that turns people like me who are more skeptical off a lot of this these doohickeys and gadgets. No, that, like you know like the Frank's box like that goes, goes through what? the yeah, through the radio, the one that goes through the radio signals and picks up little snippets of radio stations. That one drives me crazy because yeah. I just could not behind that. You're that that is you hearing like what you want to hear. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not I'm not comfortable with that. I I think some of the the EVPs that just on a simple recorder are, are far more compelling. Yeah, agreed. Now, 100%. what I like is we've had two ghost, um, uh, alleged ghost sightings. First one sounds like they were kind of asshole ghosts, bad ghosts, uh, evil juju. The second one, they seem pretty, pretty harmless, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, you know, pretty why chill Why do you ghost. think the first one, why do you feel the first one was bad juju? Well, they kept setting off alarms and, and, and fucking with the guys by, like, slamming and making the noise and, you know... Just seemed kind of you know dickish, dickish okay. ghosts. A bit, like, a bit like you if you were a ghost. Well, yeah, probably. Except I'd probably have that like fart smell to go along with the hauntings <laughs> because the farts are funny. Um, but uh, Lauren, let's go on to our next story. Okay, so the next one is from somebody that three of us here know. Um, he's um, he's a ripperologist. Um, and his name is Steve. Ah, okay. So, this story dates around to about 2000. I was working nights packing fruit and veg orders in a wholesale market alone until about 1am when another guy came in. This particular night, around about midnight, I was walking from the fridge to the packing station past the open work stairs that led up to the office. I saw on the stairs what I can only describe as a lack of anything, rather like Predator in the film, shimmering slightly. Initially I put it down to something on my glasses, but as I took them off it was still there, but fading. I shrugged and went back to packing. Ten to fifteen minutes later, I sensed my one... Um, my. 1am guy come in behind me, except it wasn't. My morning was cut off as I turned to see nothing. That shook me up considerably more as I'd consciously not thought about the first incident. I only told the other guy there before I left a few months later. He poo-pooed it until he covered for me when he experienced the someone behind him thing. I did some uh, site research, nothing really associated, but the town gibbet had been a couple of hundred mile, uh, yards away, as were some Roman earthworks used as a Civil War gun battery. Now, just to explain, a, um, a, a gibbet was a form of execution. Oh, where the Lauren, person... Lauren, what? you would execute on a gibbet. A gibbet was a form of execution where the um 
that the person being executed was forced in and the townspeople weren't allowed to help them in any way and they essentially starved to death. That's a cage. Well, that's what a gibbet was. No, no. The, the gibbet is does encase the body usually of an executed felon. They've been executed in... No, in no, 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 no. Some, some, some and, people and then, who were gibbeted were alive. Ah, some people were... that's normally in a, in a cage, to my knowledge. That, no. That's a little bit different. But maybe... In, Maybe that's in other parts of the country. Certainly, no, my um, the, in, no, in, there, in, there were there uh-huh. are examples of of people being gibbeted alive. I mean, especially during the pilgrimage of the, of of Grace, where um, Yorkshiremen were um, people in York were gibbeted alive. What and, time period is that? Um, I'm not quite sure, but he said the town gibbets. Not in the 18th so. century onwards. Um, if I would say. If it's a town gibbet and he is saying um, it's around Roman earthworks, it's very difficult to say where it depends where that person was working. Because okay. I don't, well, I don't again, know. Also, I don't know. It could have, um, the cage also can be a town jail. It can often come down to parlance and and the way things were handled in the local area. Anyway, um, it's it's a very interesting story, very interesting indeed. It, it would be interesting to find out where this person was because Roman earthworks and a Civil War gun battery is quite interesting. Yes. Oh, I know where he was. He was in Leicester. So, yeah, there is a possibility that in Leicester, yeah, that's where he was, um, that people were gibbeted alive because they were certainly gibbeted alive along the... Uh, King's Highways in Yorkshire, because the Duke of Norfolk, God bless Thomas Howard, um, saw two people being gibbeted alive. He was a very lovely man. See, this is a, this is um one of those interesting ones that uh, the predator-like image of something that was vanishing before their eyes. This isn't, and I'm not saying this is what it was, Steve. I mean, you know, this is just one possibility. There are studies that have proven that you will see images like that. Your brain creates them during sleep paralysis. And it does happen when you are awake and your brain can go shut down temporarily from being overtired, from being overworked. You don't realize you're going through a sleep paralysis, but you are. It's been known to happen. Uh, I've never had experienced sleep paralysis while awake. Um, I have in bed. I've had experiences of sleep paralysis myself. But it's that that, that weird description of the image of it being like the predator kind of like disintegrating and going into nothing is something that is commonly associated with that phenomenon. I just feel like sleep paralysis is like the explanation du jour that everybody uses now, where back in the day, UFOs, it started out, oh, you're seeing Venus. And no, then no, it was, no, oh, not... it's marsh gas. And I even but said... But I feel, I feel like right now everybody is, like, latching on to sleep paralysis as... Only because of the description of what it looked like with that predator imagery that kind of, like, disintegrated. Yeah. That's why, because that is a very common for that type of sleep yeah. paralysis that particular it's interesting to me thing. 
it's it's interesting to me because I'm actually we're working on a new episode of the podcast that is about something that's kind of become called the glimmer man which is like a cryptid almost like a bigfoot where people see that they say it looks like when the predator in the movie is cloaked but people still see like the shimmering image so it's just interesting that this came up because I'm researching that right now but that's more cryptid than it is ghost yeah now I'm not saying that's what he was experiencing because sleep paralysis is not common especially walking sleep paralysis that's very yeah. rare yeah. Um, I'm just saying that's one of the explanations, and yeah. it's because of the description that I say that. Now, I just know, like, in so many of our episodes lately, one of the possible theories for everything paranormal <laughs> is always sleep paralysis. That's become, like, such a, a common theory about why people see this stuff. The other thing I wanted to point out is he noticed he said something to his coworker who never experienced anything until after he was told that story. Then he had a moment, because that's... That, that's being put in his head. It went into his subconscious that there could be something there. So that I would write off more easily. I'm not writing off his his experience, but just giving possible explanations. But um, I also once worked at a produce factory, so I sympathize with you. I hated that job. But, um, yeah, that's, wow. I would like to see something like that. And I'm... I, I'm a, I'm a bitch. I'm a paranormal bitch. I'm a skeptic, but I'm the guy who says I'd scream like a, I'd scream like a girl if I saw something really, really, really freaky. But I kind of do want to see like a predator-looking motherfucker in front of me disappear. That would be kind of cool. Part of me doesn't think you you would though, because I think you'd be one like I kind of was when I saw stuff where you're just like, did I just see that? You know, you're more. I think you would be more fascinated by it than you would be scared by it. Possibly. That's just what I think. Until you saw me holding your hand and the, the, you know, the pee running down my leg. Now, I, if it's the Steve I know from the world of ripperology, he's a, a lovely fella. He's a very sound gentleman as well. The sort of man that you wouldn't associate with uh, seeing the paranormal. Straight dealing, lovely man. So, I, I think what he believes he's seen, he's seen it. I really do. Are you thinking of Steve that... I th- I, I, I'm, this Steve is is the Steve that's a reenactor. Uh, yes, I, I I know. Or should I say, uh-huh. I worked that out. I think <laughs> I like Steve. Now, but the point is, if it comes down to this sort of predator cloaked phrase, this kind of shape that morphs wherever it passes in front of it, almost like a a heat haze. I have seen that with my own eyes. But I did not see it um, with my own eyes looking... I'll tell you how I saw it. I've organised goat hunts on the North Norfolk Railway for years. And there is a bridge there at Wayborn Station that was moved from a location outside London. With it, there's no, you know, no desperate history to it um, until people started experiencing things on the bridge. And the bridge, uh, it's often at night, at evening, when, when the staff are locking up, because it doesn't operate 24 hours a day, it's a historic railway. 
staff will lock up on one side, then I'll walk over the bridge, and as they're walking over the flat area at the top, they will feel something rush past them. To the degree they'll turn around as if someone's run, and they find it, people that have experienced it find it very difficult to explain what happened. They almost want to stop the thing going over the side. It sounds, you, you sense human, you sense something, you've got to stop it toppling over. And it turns out that the bridge, in its previous location, a number of people had committed suicide over the bridge. Now, that's an atmosphere, perhaps some sort of residual energy or, or a manifestation, but at, on the ghost hunt nights, I encourage people to bring along their digital camera or even a mobile phone. So it's night time. There is one light down the bottom of the steps that shows light up the steps for safety. I normally work with maybe a group of three or four people. They will take a photograph or, or film, but no flashes used. So they don't corrupt each other. And the person next door to the, uh, one of those that I was standing next to, I could see through their camera screen. And I could see that the railings of, of the, the bridge were being disrupted with what looked like a heat haze or, or some sort of shape that passed along them. As you say, when the predator is cloaking, I saw it. But the tragedy is that the person who was, I could see it on the screen of their camera, only took a... They weren't filming it! Oh, they man. just took a still. So there is an area on the photograph that is blurred, which you can't easily explain, but we saw with our own eyes something passing the dark waves. And I think he thought he'd actually clicked record but actually, he'd just taken a photograph. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's uh, true. When I used to work at the factory years ago, one of my coworkers came up to me and she said, I'm going to email you a video tonight. I want you to watch it. She said, oh, boy. From... It, no, no. Not, it, unfortunately, it wasn't one of those. But she said, uh, my grandmother has been having problems with something waking her up at night she doesn't know what it is and she said we got this on the security camera in her room so she sent me this video and I don't I gotta see if I can find it but it was very much like what you described where you see the grandmother laying in bed and all of a sudden she gets really restless and into the corner of the, the corner of the screen you see what looks like the figure of a man walk and step into the screen, but it looks like the predator cloaking. It's very shimmery, and that that was like one of the first things I thought of when you said that about the. It, it it's like a perfect ghost video because I showed that to people and didn't tell them, and they're like, "Look, you can see that there's a figure of a man there, but it's all weird and shimmery." So I, I totally. 100% and this is a video know what this that is like someone you worked with not someone with like yeah, Hollywood no, editing equipment or... and, and they took it off their took it off their grandmother's security camera in the room so that you know i i have 100 percent no doubt that 
Grandma that doesn't work she for industrial light and magic. No, she does not. She does not. She didn't do any of the effects in Star Wars. But she, uh, it, it was just a really creepy video, but it, that's how it looked, was like the Predator. Yep. It's not necessarily the shape of the Predator, but that effect that yep. you see. Yeah, because in all, in all accounts, it looked like a person. And one of my friends that saw that said, look, you can even make out their shoes. It, it looked like, like they was wearing like like, shoe, like shoes that you could make out the shoes. But well, it was just all... shoes, too. I mean... Well, yeah, they would. Of course they would. Of course they would. You want to step on like a Gandhi's ghost. Yeah, yep. Gibbets freak me out, though. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff about gibbets in the past, and that is not a way I want to go. <laughs> No, no I, I certainly learned some. I, I'd heard about cage use, but to be strung up, if if that's right that they were doing that, uh, that's a whole. It really, it really is a horrible, horrible way to go. When I was really. a kid, I I had these books about pirates, and I think one of the illustrations in there was somebody gibbeted, and it was like a cage that was just a little bit bigger than them, and they were just kept in this thing until they died. You know, I want to point something else out, and I just thought of this. And again, I'm not trying to be the poo-pooing guy. Like I said, three against me in this episode. But I'm looking for any possible explanations for things that could be weird. The spot he said it happened in was going from the packing station to the cooler. Where you're seeing two completely different types of air pressure hitting. Mm -hmm. That can cause some fucked up imagery. Yeah, there could be some sort of steam or something that that would so just, just throwing that. Well, up he there did too. think about that because he said he thought it was something on his glasses. Yeah. So he took his glasses off. And, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's not, still not the steam still there, but going. But I do 100% agree with you that the person he told was more susceptible to see something because it was already in his mind that something might be there. Yeah. Yeah. Well interests me is when he says about it being a civil war gun battery it made me it it, it was interesting to me because he's also a civil war reenactor mm-hmm. so i just thought was it somebody was it if it was paranormal was it somebody reaching out yeah good point good um, point yeah somebody reaching out for fruit because they were in a produce factory. Yeah, scurvy. That's right, uh, scurvy. Get me a lime. Absolutely. Well, also they were um, they were having to eat pets during the Civil War as well. So he's just looking for some food. But that's a, that's a, see now that's the I I love all these stories, but I am fascinated by like the predator like creatures. I want to see one of those. You want to see an invisible man. Yeah, I want Claude Rains to show up and, and shimmer. Yeah, show up and shimmer. I feel yeah. more comfortable seeing a shadow person than I do a shimmery person. Shimmery creeps me out. I don't know. It's shimmery, it would be like Liberace's ghost. I feel would be shimmery. <laughs> or like I've when uh, when I, somebody I beams off the Enterprise. That uh, Liberace does actually haunt some places associated with him i've heard that and even one of his pianos has been heard to play without him being there oh boy see now now that's a whole nother show we're gonna have to do (laughs) but um yeah kurt i'm glad you said that the image of like someone beaming from the enterprise in star trek yeah that pixelating form is another common 
I know you hate it, but that's another common sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis, vision, <laughs> yeah. Is that pixelating type of, of thing. Uh, it used to be described as television snow, but no one knows what television snow is anymore because people born in the digital TV era don't understand television snow. I'm not completely discounting the sleep paralysis stuff because we just had our episode about people seeing doppelgangers and stories about people seeing their own doppelgangers. I had a, a doppelganger. Of... I told you, it's really freaky. Yeah, you, you did. People in this city have gone up and talked to them thinking it was me. Yeah. And And I'm not the most normal-looking person. You aren't. No. Not in a bad way, but you aren't. But a lot of these people saw this doppelganger in their room, like, looking at them right when they woke up out of sleep. So that you could easily call sleep paralysis, you know? All right. So Captain Kirk beamed down into that one, and that's what he saw, you're saying? Yep. Yep. Okay. Just as a little aside before we leave that one, I, I've worked with lifelong learners, still do. And I have a wonderful story. Of, they were visiting a country house where there was a room where there was a very, very large mirror. And it took one of our elderly visitors by surprise. And so she turned around, she, oh, and she looked at me and she said, I thought that was my double donger. <laughs> double donger? <laughs> Double donger. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of Liberace, um, <laughs> double donger sounds like something you have to pay extra for. Yeah, I quite like that. I like that one more than <laughs> double donger. I have a double donger. <laughs> have you got a double donger, Brian? <laughs> no, 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 not, not since I've been old. I was, yeah, no, I was, no comment. I like that Kurt said you have to pay extra for the double dong. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, Steve, uh, sorry to, to, to do all the ding-dong talk during your segment, Steve, but uh, great story, and I, I love the whole uh, Predator stuff. I do. Lauren, do we have, we have one or two more? Just one more. One more um, for this episode, okay. Yes. Um, it's back to America with this one. USA. From, USA. Sorry. From Misha. Hi, Misha. Misha yeah. designed our wonderful logo for the show. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. That's a good logo. She was, she was quite, she was apologizing um, for the grammar when she said it in. As it is fine. Because uh, I think it was more to do with her Americanisms, but I think that's fine. <laughs> so um she was about 12 i was about 12 or 13 years old i was just finishing up a middle school so back to middle school early teenage years getting ready to go into high school and i was living in living with my dad in norwalk ohio i had just moved in with my dad and stepmom and we were going to fix up this house we bought and make a new home. We bought this old Victorian house that we had moved into and we were remodeling it as we were living in there. And it would, was like the, that old style house where the hallway for the stairs had a door at the top. Had a door at the top door. Had a door at the top and the door at the bottom. So it was closed. And the bathroom was under the stairs with an old claw bathtub. Oh, okay. When we dug out... When we dig out, when we dig out walls, we found like archways that were covered up by walls and regular doorway kind of thing. Well, it started out that I started hearing things randomly, almost like steps going up and down the stairs. And then in the living room, I might be sitting, 
and in the living room might be sitting there and I would see this figure out of the corner of my eyes and it was like solid black. It was the shape of a man and I could tell his it was a man because he was big and I had a hat, like a hat on, an old farmer's hat, like a flat uh, like a flat cap but big brim kind of thing or sometimes I'd go to bed at night too my room was upstairs and I'd be laying on my bed and it would start shaking or I would feel my feet <laughs> what happened to you my feet were being tugged at, at and my dog was at this was uh, barking at the corner of the wall and that happened quite a lot or quite often a lot with a dog backing up to the corner of the wall but more often than not in the living room downstairs I, I could feel that I could feel something was different to the point where I was afraid to be alone in the house I didn't feel nice like I had a sense of foreboding all the time my cousin was a few years older than me um he would be over and things will start moving around the court around could be like winter and the windows and doors will be closed in the house except for the hall door to go up and down the stairs but it would randomly just slam shut I don't mean just like fall shut and it sounded like a hard shut I mean full force as if there was somebody grabbing the door and slamming it shut angrily the uh, seeing the person in our house had gotten a little more intense for me always in the living room always standing behind the light that was next to the chair in the by the couch living room was the couch the living room couch was against the wall and we had to we we had a lazy boy to the left of it my dad would always sit in with an end table and lamp on it between the chair and the couch but behind the chair to the left left though of the left um, left of the light I'd always see the figure but he never really moved much and I really just stood there almost always felt like he was just watching was staring just and just standing there and I would turn my head really fast and I wouldn't see any, I wouldn't see him anymore if I looked directly on it. It really bothered me to the point that I would want to be alone I wouldn't want to be alone at night in the house. Uh, I would go to my grandparents' house as often as I could. Um, um yeah. Now I was now uh, she was uh, she was having a lot of stress at the time. She was young, pre turn early teenager. There was a there were family issues. Things, uh, things of that sort. But after I moved and went to live with my grandparents, my stepmother had left my dad too and had done some research in the house and had found out that one of the previous owners a long time ago had shot himself with a shotgun in the house. And it makes me wonder sometimes if it was just him or his whole family that I was experiencing. Again, different ways. Either way, I never felt calm. And it would make me wonder sometimes if it was just him or the whole family. I definitely felt that I was not supposed to be there constantly i don't remember that address because it was such a long time ago and i wish i did because i would love to do more research on it but after i found out that it found out what i did uh, it definitely made sense to me and put some put a relief to me that she wasn't crazy because i had told her a little bit oh i think she yeah she tells her i think she told a parent and that they told her that she was crazy um i was the one that was sensing stuff obviously too and we did more construction in the house i felt more foreboding on things but i don't know if it's because of the construction or because i was very open-minded and i still am to this day about that kind of stuff or she as it could be the stress of you know the situation that was making her see more things more clearly than others um yeah that's um a <clears throat> couple things with that one mm -hmm. 
again, she's that perfect age group at the time for all this weirdness. B, you see a lot of stories about once you start digging around and mm-hmm. um, futzing with the, with the house yep. and, and uh, restoring things. But the thing that got me about that more than anything was the stereotypical hat man description. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And uh, Kurt, you've done an episode on hat man. Yeah. Uh, Devin, a friend of ours that we had on the show on that episode, talked about his experiences with the hat man, and it just floors us how many people see this figure. Um, I think it was on here. I don't remember if it was on here or not, but I talked about when um, last year when my students found out, my sixth grade students, so they're like 11 and 12, found out about me being a ghost hunter. Without even talking about the hat man, one of the boys said he used to see a figure in his room all the time, like cloaked and wearing a top hat. And people all over the world constantly see this hat man, and nobody knows what this is, but it's always like very specific. It's like like it's a, a, a one specific creature that's making all these appearances. And as soon as as soon as they said it was wearing like a hat like that, I was like, "That's totally the Hat Man." And, Lauren, and what you said w- was right—that a lot of times, any kind of construction on a house is going to amp up any paranormal activity. A lot of it starts with construction of a house, almost like whatever there doesn't want you to be moving stuff around in the house. I was taking notes when you were reading it, Lauren, but I missed something. Did she say it happened in the living room? I know it was behind the the um, light, but also it, in her bedroom happened. where the dog would bark. The, she didn't see the. Ma- she only saw the man in the living room yes. with the hat, and he was stood um, in the light. Okay, and the it wasn't other behind thing- the light. It was in in the light. Um, she she also goes on in her wider email to say that it lasted to six to eight months, and. Um, and, you know, even now at 38, she could sit down, close her eyes, imagine a house and could point out, you know, she could take you to the house and point out where it happened. But she doesn't see anything anymore like that. She, but she said it was one of the most intense things that had ever happened to her. All right. I also wanted to point out that this was over 20 years ago. And I'm saying that in the defense of her story because I didn't want to out Misha's age on the air. But she did herself right there that... You know, a lot of people who will come up with Hatman stories now, it's become an internet sensation. Yeah, but it's this is like from before the days of the internet sensation. Yes. So we're not, I'm, yep. you know, I'm not going to use that as a debunking thing because it's from before that. But yeah. the thing and in also, her bedroom I, also that, is is that um, she has had dogs all her life. You know, she's very good with dogs. She would know they would oh, behave yeah. for her to say that a dog was behaving. That's what weirdly. I was going to ask. Where was the dog barking? Was that in her bedroom or the living room? In her bedroom. In her bedroom, okay. The corner of the room. Yeah, yeah, wasn't it like the corner of the room? And I know dogs supposedly are sensitive to these things. Cats just stare at them like, what do you want? Dogs (laughs) are like, get the fuck away. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. The dog gets confused because a, a dog's brain... You know, if it doesn't understand it, it will probably bark at it because it will be alien to its usual experience in the same way that some people will have a a reaction to a paranormal experience where they might scream. Like me. Like any of us, really. Yeah. When, you, when you encounter the paranormal, 
no, no one can say, oh, I'd never get freaked over that, because, because you don't know until you're there. I, I think a, an animal showing a reaction, there's got to be something there. Okay, if yeah, and like I was going to say, as the as the, the resident skeptic, um, my initial conversation would be with her, hey, look, you were at that weird age where your body's going through things, your mind's going through things, you've admitted there was a lot of stress, you, you, you're with a, a stepmother, moving with your father for the first time, uh, you know, uh, obviously you're changing environments, maybe you're not happy about that, um your own depression, anger, confusion, not necessarily, you know, I'm not saying you were any of those things, I'm just assuming at that age, can make you manifest things, you'll see things, you'll feel things, because your body chemistry and your chemicals are just so out of whack, and it's such a tough age. The dog barking kind of freaks me out, though. That's that's what gets me. I, Did the dog barking happen in conjunction with the the the, the hat man appearance? Was it the same exact um, time? No, because she was in bed and she said the bed would shake. Okay, when she was in bed, uh, and the dog would bark at a corner of the room, but she couldn't see what was happening. She only saw the hat man in the living the room. living room. That's just creepy. Funny that they call it the living room with the hat man. That? Do you, did she? Do you you know her? Yes, uh, did you ever well. talk about? Well, how do you cope with being exposed to something like that? Or how does she cope with that? Yeah, she, I've, she's never spoken to the, to me about this. Um, you know that that's another thing. I said I, I even said uh, on our one social media page. I kind of feel bad if we're going to cause people stress to relive these things. That's why we asked it all be voluntary. Yeah, Hatman sightings are nowadays so common that i blame a lot of it on internet sensation but this one obviously predates all that yeah like i said it's like the black-eyed kids you know all of a sudden everybody then, was all about the black-eyed kids the more yeah. you hear She's about it the more saying it. she doesn't think it was a hat man she thinks it was somody that committed suicide exactly. in a hat. She so, so she's not going was... to it's hat man yeah yeah um wow it's just it it's like if i had a checklist for all the uh, all the great paranormal things Renovating of a Victorian house, check. You know, shadowy figure, check. Dog barking, Dog barking. check. <laughs> Misha, you got like the trifecta going. That's she um. She was living. She was living in the real life amateur amateur horror house. Well, still feel something tugging on your leg. Yeah. You know, is is nightmare stuff. That's just creepy. And in Ohio, you know, the state yeah. that shares Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know. I love Cleveland. I'm sorry. <laughs> She'll beat you up when she meets you, Brian. She's going to be coming to Buffalo. Um, she is. We we had actually we had plans. She was going to come to Buffalo before the pandemic hit, and um, she's part of the group that's coming to Buffalo for wings when we can all get together. But um, no, this story fascinates me because, like I said, it checks every box, and. Anytime I could give you an explanation for one of them, another box is checked, and it makes me, the skeptic, look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> another box is checked. So I'm passing this one off completely to Neil first because the um, I know Kurt's take on Hatman and, and Shadow People, but Neil, what do you think about the possible suicide farmer? Well. 
what I've heard in the account there, again, it, it, it's got all of the right medicine there. And the number of times that you hear of people affecting restorations or, or they're knocking through, uh, that, that suddenly you'll end up with manifestations. There's one case I'm particularly familiar with in Great Yarmouth, in which case a pub seller, uh, they had an old way bridge in front of it. And a vehicle using it broke the way bridge. It caused an old archway that had been plugged up underneath the pub in its cellar to collapse. And it revealed a tunnel that headed towards the old church. And hey, they certainly started getting some stuff going on there. It's thought that originally it had been used as a bit of a, a run for body snatchers because the body snatch row was not far from the pub. And it would have been an ideal place because the, the cottage where the body snatchers were known to hang out really wouldn't have been ideal for, for, for storing bodies. or, or but, but the cellar that had a clear run to the church and churchyard, that would be really rather good. Now, to clarify, um, you're talking like legitimate Burke and Hare shit here with the... Absolutely right. Yes, it was a, a body snatcher. He was actually caught. He He was a... A man employed by the surgeons, his surname was Vaughan. He worked around the, the country for notable British surgeons like Sir Astley Cooper. And Astley Cooper would sort of get good barristers on his side to get Vaughan bailed out. But Vaughan would recruit local people. And he was working in Great Yarmouth, where, this, uh, where the White Horse public house was. And when... This collapse took place in the cellar. The, the landlady of the pub, Sally B, I remember her. She suddenly had this uh, experience where they started hearing feet running around in the upper floor. As it was a child's feet running around. People start getting locked in downstairs toilets. Um, they can't get out, but it's not actually locked. The door just won't open. But the final straw... Also, when I think it was Sally herself was in the pub cellar, and as she was changing a bowel over, she looked to her side and she saw a pair of deathly pale, white, naked feet. And as she looked up, she saw naked legs, and she thought, oh my God, what, what it, a nude man come down here. And when she got beyond the knees... It just kind of melted away. No ding ding. Well, no double donger. No double donger. <laughs> no, no double donger there. Uh, and in fact, in the end, they sold the pub up and it's become uh, residential. So it's got even more walls and knockings through, put through. But to my knowledge, nothing has occurred since. But it was, it was a hive of activity because things are being disturbed. It's not unique. It's a known phenomena. It, it tallies up. Um, yeah, it, it, it's all part of the canon of the unexplained. And those are other check marks she had on her checklist of paranormal activity. Once they uh, got those archways, they started hearing footsteps on the stairs and the door slamming. Exactly. These are all the same factors that you can hear in that sort of replay. Uh, I've got a friend of mine that set up a museum as well, his, his own small museum, super sci-fi museum, uh, in Allendale, in Northumberland. 
Uh, it's Neil Cole. Lovely, lovely fellow. And he converted a large cellar area into his sci-fi museum. It involved a lot of restora restoration, a little bit of knocking through. And uh, since then, strange things have been happening there. So, who knows? Kurt, your take on all the... Uh, the just, like, wow. Like you said, it, it, it hits all the check marks. I mean, I 100% think that that's a haunting. And I'm fascinated with this top hat with this hat man like I don't I, I can't believe how many people see this thing and I think that's probably what this person saw I mean it's possible that it was a suicide of somebody and that that person just happened to have a hat on but it just sounded very hat manish to me do you think you know? this is more of an entity Kurt uh, rather like sort of Mothman or, or uh, Chupacabra, for example, perhaps, or, 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 or Chupacabra like more solid, but a sort of ghost, semi-ghost. Or interdimensional. Uh, no, I feel like an entity of some kind, because so many people that experience this thing say that this wave of dread comes over them when they see this thing. You know, and I've heard that about Mothman and stuff like that, that this is almost more of a specific entity than it is a ghost or a spirit. That's what I'm thinking, Kurt, in, in that particular respect. Yeah. And, pe and people see the darn thing all over the place. Yeah. In the same way people have seen shadow people. Yeah. You know, the, it's always a danger there will be some bandwagon ju oh, yeah. jumping. But like I Brian think said, sometimes, you know. in fairness, when a phrase is coined, it might just trigger the thing in, in the person's mind. They've always wanted the word a way to say god i have experienced that and it, yeah. it's it, it yes i know what hat man is they found the word in in the same ways other words have been used to to label dark forces and light forces for example yeah. that's funny i remember an old episode of the art bell show i don't know if you got art bell over in the uk as much as we did in north america neil were you familiar with art bell i know of art bell through dave schrader Okay, oh. and uh, Art did, you know, the was, was I guess, the the quintessential um, weird radio, uh, the initial one. And he did an episode, and this had to be the early 90s, because I remember I was working an overnight job, and we used to have him on all the time. That's why I heard so much of him, because when you have to be up all night, you listen to the talk radio at the time. And he was doing an episode on these quote-unquote shadow people. And this was, again, before it became a huge internet phenomenon, because we're talking early 90s. And he was getting call after call after call from people saying, oh my God, that's what I was seeing all my childhood. But yes. we never knew what to call them. And then he tested it. He wanted to put it to the test to see if these people were full of shit. So he started having people draw, the fa draw what you saw and, and fax it into me on the show, and I'll post it on our website. And shit couple hundred pictures got sent to him and they were all pretty much the same picture which uh, kind of funny that yeah i guess people were seeing the same thing i think that's very compelling in fact it's really compelling i mean could some stuff from that story uh have logical explanations yeah you know all my of it cat, could but yeah some of my my cat will sometimes together. just stare at it's at nothing in the room and move around like she's watching something move. I don't think it's a ghost. I think it's just my cat being a cat. 
you know, the dog barking could have maybe just been a dog barking at some random thing. Yeah. Uh, the stuff in the bed could have been sleep paralysis. Um, Every single it, thing could have had an explanation, but it's yeah. so weird to have so many of them stacked on top of each other. Especially when you said that they started uh, doing renovation on the house. To me, that's like a... You know, when alarm bells start to that is when the alarm bells start to go because that seems uh, like we had a, a family down south of here that wanted us to come in and investigate. And when we went to talk to them for the interview, they said that's exactly when everything started is when they started remodeling their their house. So it's just weird. So the moral of the story is don't do any home improvements. Don't exactly. do any renovations. Exactly. Leave it to professional ghost hunters to come in and build your deck. Yeah, don't do don't do uh, any renovations with a teenage girl. That's basically it because that's recipe for disaster. Yeah, Neil, I want to bring that up. Um, is it more common with teenage girls or is it with teenage boys too? All the examples we've had have all seemed to be adolescent girls. Does the same Except stuff happen as much with adolescent boys? No, I, I've, I've minimal minimal yeah. instances. Uh, with boys, it's. I mean, girls have a, a huge journey to make through their teenage years. Uh, that, that there's a whole lot going on there, and yeah, I, 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 I would, I would struggle to find uh, instances of boys that that demonstrate uh, the same phenomena. I mean, you know, Tara's one the, story. One of the archetypes of that thing is the the story Carrie by Stephen King with the teenage yes. girl. Yeah. You know, that's... But but Tara's story, you know, a lot of the, the stuff that started happening with the mouse clicking and stuff was with her son. Mm-hmm. But again, you'd said, even she said in her story, it manifested with her and her daughter first. So, yeah, it's just, I, I don't... I'm not an expert on, on th- this type of thing, would it be? But you say it's more associated with... Um, adolescent women than men. Yes. Hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there are stories of it happening with boys, but I, I've heard far more stories involving girls. Yeah. And, and not to and go I, off I on another woo-woo thing. That strange things have happened to them when they've been having very difficult times. and They yeah. frighten themselves because they've gone into a room and they've cast their hand at a mirror or something yeah. Now, and th- something, say you've got a bo- can of hairspray standing on your, your chest of drawers. You just come in the door, throw the hand out. Now, it could be a push of air, some people might say, but the darn thing flies off the desk, uh, the, the chest of drawers. Or, or the mirror bends, or, or even, I'm not talking about a dramatic sh- shattering, but a mirror on a hinge bends and clacks the wall quite hard. But in the main, it's an object that will go flying off. It's it's very strange, but very very much a a, a, a young teenage girl uh, phenomena. The 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 examples that I I know of personally, I've encountered through investigations, I've heard of. You know, it's it, to find boys, I would struggle to 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 find a, a, a young lad that's experienced that. Mind you, when kids get younger, before that, they, both boys and girls, seem very able to see, th- a lot of boys and girls that I've met. Yeah, they, I've noticed that they say kids. Or is it before they've got too old and told themselves it's not real? 
Yeah, oh, no, they no, 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 that is true. That is. Or true. they tell it's them Theo. that it's not real. Kids tend Theo to see things was, more. Theo, when he was a toddler, had a protect. Well, um, had a friend that only he could see, called John Davis. Now, unbeknownst to him, that was my grandfather's name. Wow. But it should. It's not surprising. Mm-mm. And even the. Um, there's a lot about you know, baby monitors. But even when my son was small, we we heard, uh, and there was no one near us that had a baby. We were living on a a, a terrace street in, in in Norwich in Norfolk. No one living near us with a baby. We would have had to come over quite some distance, and we heard a very very slow chime of a so a, a wind up child's musical box playing extremely slowly. Um, Lord knows where that came from. There, were, there was the sound of uh, voices sometimes. So somebody speaking to him, and they didn't sound like youngsters. They sounded like elderly relatives. And I rather like the thought that, you know, the, the grandparents that didn't get to know my son when he was a little boy, maybe they came and they spoke to him. I, 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 I kind of like that thought. But as far as Misha's story goes. Would you want to go check out that house? Would you focus in on the Shadow Man sighting in the living room? Um, the archways that they were digging out? Uh, the bedroom where there was other paranormal activity? Where do you think you would focus your attention if you were to investigate it? I don't think I would focus my attention. I would just go in there and let whatever happens happen and see where it takes me. That, that's I'm with you, just Not like movie poltergeist room. where you look for the heart of the house. Well, because you could be you downstairs. Feel where yeah. to go, won't you, Kurt? You don't want to pre prejudge where. No, you, you could be downstairs waiting for something to happen when everything is happening upstairs and you're missing it. Yeah. So you just got to kind of... Even if they've got a room they call the haunted room or the murder room, you know, you go with the, I'd go with my mind open and if it felt wrong there... You know, I, w- I would stake somewhere else out and put, just put a lock-off camera in the murder room, you know? Yep. Because quite often it's the murder room where you you might, or the, the haunted room, you'll hear the rapping next door. Well, let's get in next door and, and see what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Very generous of everybody to, to share their stories tonight. I really um, do. I think that. Um, unknowing Misha, I, I think that she did experience what she experienced, and but you know, I, I you know, I think she may have seen the Hat Man be, because she doesn't say she did. Um, but then again, I think with houses, it's important that you live in the house. If if somebody comes to you with a haunted house, you know, to experience the haunting or to investigate the haunting, you have to live in the house. You can't just go there for one night because, you know, you're you're a stranger in that house. You know, if there is anything in there, they may not want to communicate with you. But what would be interesting is that we didn't get any stories about a haunted Alexa. Because I think those are creepy as hell. <laughs> they are. It's just like the one in my house. She'll just go, I didn't quite catch that. And nobody's yeah. speaking to her. Yeah, nobody's the, speaking to her. It's the stories about people waking up in the middle of the night and Alexa is saying something that freaks me out. That that freaks me out. Like, I love you, Brian. You're so wonderful. Everybody thinks you're fantastic. Well, Alexa says, 
Sorry, Brian. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what are you doing, Brian? No, I, I'm with Neil. I want to thank everybody right now for sending in your stories. Yeah, that's, I, that's I sometimes hope... not easy to do. I mean, to open yourself up like that, to send these stories, knowing that they're going to be aired. So totally thank you so much for sending those and i know Absolutely. we have made some jokes and had some levity but I, I hope you feel we treat the stories and your situations with the proper amount of respect that they deserve because i i, I didn't intend it to be any other way it's you did a good job of not poo-pooing too much so i'm proud of you yeah, yeah you did good I with know. that and uh i think we should do another one of these what do you think i'm all oh, for it that's true. yeah you know yeah now, um, before we sign it off, either you got anything you want to plug? Oh, well, I've, I've got um, the Bosworth Festival of the Unexplained with guests from both sides of the Atlantic uh, coming on over to, to, to join us in March. So, yes, please look up the uh, Festival of the Unexplained. Come and see us. Be lovely to see you. I saw Patty the ad. There, there's wraith chasers there, there's a whole host of wonderful folks there's stories to tell uh different different paranormal in interests and, and powers it's going to be quite an experience i would love to get there for that and kurt your new season of the strange sessions has kicked <laughs> off season six just crazy to us that this is still going all these years later <laughs> and i do want to take a second to say hi krista i know you're afraid to come on because you're my podcast crush and all but <laughs> that uh... is not that is not why she doesn't come on she just other than doing ours she doesn't really want to do a lot of the podcasts well she is welcome anytime or if she has stories she would like us to read on the next episode if she's got a personal paranormal encounter or any kind of kooky story we're Maybe not going to limit this up. Yeah, I'll maybe tell one of mine next time, because I know I've talked about them on ours. Yeah. You know what would be fun is if we get the girls from Old Timey Crimey on as well. Oh, yes, they are. A, and guys, come on. I don't think Doug is on there all the time anymore. He's been taken off the photo. Really? The, yeah, he's not on the um, on the screen, on the little, you know, they had that animation. Did he get canceled? <laughs> it's the way you're heading, Brian. No, I just think no longer dig dug. No, no oh. double dong. I... Come on, that's double gold. Dog. That's gold. That was gold. But yeah, and and folks, we're not limiting this to just stories of ghosts. Any paranormal stories or cryptid yeah. stories or UFOs. UFOs. You seen UFOs. a UFO? Um, I think we're best qualified to discuss ghosts, or at least from my point of view. We are, but, but I, I uh, you know, I have a hotline. All about cryptids, that's I, for sure. I have a hotline to the Emmy Award winning and one of the great UFO, UFOologists. What do they call it? UFOlogists? Ufologists. Ufologists. Um, Timothy Schwartz uh, is a good friend of the show. Uh, who was just uh, last week was on Coast to Coast AM as a guest, but. Um, you know, he's been on our show a couple times, so if you have UFO stories, too, we could bring him on to discuss that as well. You know, uh, years ago, I was all excited because there was a billboard here in town that I thought said we were having a ufology convention, and after, like, the third or fourth time I drove past it, I realized it was a urology. And this got even more excited. That would have been weird going to that, thinking it was a UFO convention. 
And every year, your country over, over in the States, you go mad about a superb owl. Yeah, this is great. Superb Owl Sunday. Yep. You got it. Superb. That reminds me of the time back superb in my drinking owl. days. And uh, I used to drink quite a bit. And back in my drinking days, I remember stumbling home uh, slightly worse for wear at about four in the morning. Stumbled into my apartment and turned the telly on. And this is back when you used to have that channel with the guide that would tell you what was on each channel. And I saw what I thought said Benny Hill. And I switched to it, but it was Benny Hinn Ministries. And I watched it for a full hour laughing, thinking it was a Benny Hill sketch. <laughs> it took me about an hour to realize it wasn't, but yeah. I thought so. you were going to say you want, you turned on Fanny Hill, and then were happy about that. I was very happy about Fanny Hill, but I actually yeah. thought, and, and I actually sat there watching it, laughing in my drunken stupidity, <laughs> going, this Benny Hill is a fucking genius, until I realized it was Benny Hinn. But, uh... Uh, Lauren, anything you'd like to say before we sign off? No, I think that's it for me. I've done a lot of talking today. <laughs> yeah, and again, I appreciate everybody for sending in your stories. And I, this was a, this was a great time. And Neil and Kurt can't thank you enough for coming on to uh, be three against me. With hmm. uh, the we kept it civil. We the, kept it the lone civil. skeptic. Phenomenal stories, and we will definitely do this again, people. We're going to keep that email box alive and kicking. Yeah. For you to send in any of your paranormal stories, uh, cryptid encounters, UFO experiences, anything fucking weird, uh, urology conventions, <laughs> you know. You Be know. careful what you wish for, Brian. Exactly. But, for now. Especially because we know Robert Anderson. That's uh, Well, yeah, you never know what you're going to get with Robert Anderson. <laughs> And that's like our podcast where we had that episode about that guy that lives in California that was sending these weird cryptic letters to people all around the country. And we we asked for him to send us some, and we just got some, and we got voicemails from him. So, Which I believe will be the next episode of yeah. The Strange Sessions, yeah. the so greatest podcast on the net. They're not signed Zodiac, are they? <laughs> no, they're not signed Zodiac. I wish they were. I'm a Zodiac nut. I love the Zodiac. I, I, it's a fascinating case for another time. It yeah. is. Yeah, but you ever do a show on the Zodiac Killer? Totally, I'll come on. That actually, one. we might be doing yeah. one coming up. So, yeah, definitely. But for now, I'm going to say from Neil in. Are you still in Northumberland? Uh, today, I am in Norfolkshire, Ooh. in the far east of Great Britain. From the far east of Great Britain, and from Wisconsin which is the far north of America. Yep, looking out at the snowy road right now, so greetings from Wisconsin. And with us as always... Lauren from Swansea. This is Brian in the haunted Buffalo, New York, saying good night. Good night. Bye. Good night. Good night.